money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome everybody to the uh, Texas RIAs. Uh, I'm Phil Grove. I'm going to be doing a market update for you guys and some training uh, for you guys. And um, I'm one of the co-founders of the Texas RIAs. The Texas RIAs is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations all across the great state of Texas uh, with uh, groups in uh, Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. And uh, we provide a lot of resources with over 100,000 members from state to state, from, from coast to coast of the state, <laughs> border to border, that's the way to say it, uh, including uh, you know, training uh, for the uh, community and uh, market updates. We provide market data uh, to the members. So we're gonna do a little market update for you guys right now. And the first thing I'm gonna say uh, as we kind of start this discussion is we're going we're gonna to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So what's the big story right now when it comes to real estate? What is the big story? Interest rates, interest rates, yes, interest rates. So what do you think, guys? What's interest rates? Uh, they've changed, haven't they? Interest rates have changed. So um, how would you guys describe interest rates? Who, who thinks interest rates are high right now? Raise your hand if you think interest rates are high. Who thinks interest rates are low right now? Who thinks interest rates are low? We got one low and a lot of high, so okay. Um, I would say interest rates are normal. That's how I would describe interest rates. Um, I'm a 20-year uh, real estate investor. That's what's called a full cycle investor. Uh, I've invested in up markets and down markets and mortgage booms and mortgage busts. Uh, I've invested through recessions and pandemics, uh, hurricanes, and just about everything else you can, you can name uh, over 20 years. And uh, so I've seen a lot of things happen over the last 20 years. Uh, but, but when I started investing in real estate 20 years ago, uh, and I still own a lot of rental properties, uh, when I got started, most of my rental properties uh, I got, you know, six and a half, seven and a half percent mortgage, which is normal, by the way, it's normal. Uh, I graduated from college way back in 1981 and uh, bought a uh, house back then. Uh, do you know what the interest rates were in 1981? Nobody probably knows this. I know this. 18%. So for any of you that are belly aching about seven and a half percent, give me a break. How would you like 18% mortgages? Yeah, compared to that, this is incredibly cheap money uh, that is available right now for you at the mere discounted rate of just seven and a half, eight percent So interest rates are not high. Uh, I wouldn't say they're low, I would say they're normal. I would say for a brief period, they were freakishly, and by, I mean like really freakishly abnormal. I seriously doubt, I could be wrong, we never know. I seriously doubt you will see three, four, five percent mortgage interest rates again in any of your lifetimes, and maybe in your kids' lifetimes. That, that's a once in a hundred year kind of thing. And it happens a hundred years ago, 80 years ago it happened. It'll, it might happen again, who knows? We don't know. Uh, I doubt it, but, but we don't know. We don't know. Um, but I would say things are back to normal right now. And, uh, and I'm kind of glad 
they're back to normal. Some people are like, oh man, I missed my chance to get those cheap uh, interest rates. I'm actually gonna teach you. There, there are some ways you can still get three and 4% mortgages, by the way, and I'm gonna show you how. So I think for those of you who feel like you missed out on something, I, I can still get you a 3% mortgage. But um, in general, if you're doing more traditional real estate, uh, yeah, they're, they're gonna be six and a half, seven and a half percent uh, interest rates. And when interest rates go up, they certainly went up over the last couple of years, when interest rates go up, what happens to home prices? What happens to home prices when real estate goes up, when interest rates go up? Do you think, inter when interest rates go up, uh, who thinks home prices go down? Who thinks home prices go down? Who thinks home prices go up? Okay, we got a little mixed opinion here. Um, here's what I've observed, uh, both, right? Interest rate increases push prices up and push the prices down at the same time. There's different forces on the market that are moving up and moving down, right? And they counteract each other. Uh, now, sometimes one is more than the other, right? So for example, why are interest rates higher? We've had this thing called inflation. Most people, when they talk about inflation, they talk about it like in negative terms, right? Inflation is bad. I disagree. I love inflation. I just have another name for it. I call it appreciation. Okay, because when all your money is in real estate, we go to bed at night hoping for more inflation, i.e. appreciation. It's the same thing, right? Things are more expensive, right? So when you have inflation, where do you want your wealth? In assets, right? Physical stuff, like. So inflation pushes prices up, uh, but here's the thing about real estate. Real estate is not driven by interest rates. Real estate is not driven by the economy. Real estate is driven by supply and demand. That's it. It's the purest market there is, pure supply and demand. So like the economy, people think like the economy makes uh, the real estate go up and down, not much. During the Great Depression, the Great Depression, right? Real estate prices went down during the Great Depression, a whopping, right? Now during the Great Pandemic, there's another one in a hundred year thing that we just lived through, right? The Great Pandemic, real estate prices went up 30%. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, uh, I'm sorry, not interest rates, uh, home prices went up 30% during the Great Pandemic. And, and during the Great Depression, uh, you know, home prices went down 6%. So, so, so virtually no impact from those huge economic uh, it, the things that happened uh, virtually had no impact on uh, home prices, home prices. So what affects home prices? Supply and demand affects home prices. So for example, in 2008, what happened? 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, we had subprime lending. Some of you may have remembered subprime lending. Anybody could get a loan. If you wanted to get a loan, you walked into a bank, you said, I want a loan. A banker, they'd walk up, they'd hold a mirror under your nose. If they saw fog, you got a loan. That was the loan application process. Uh, and everybody got a loan, right? And, and they were just giving away money like it was just free money. I mean, you borrow all the money you want, uh, practically free and very easy and loose. So we built houses as far as I could see. The builders borrowed all that money and they built just mountains and mountains and you know, subdivision after subdivision. We built bazillions of houses. And that was okay because they gave out free money to all the buyers, whether they have jobs, credit income, didn't matter. Everybody get a loan. So we built bazillions of houses and then we gave out bazillions of subprime loans so everybody could buy one of the houses. And then surprise, surprise, it turns out that giving people that don't have jobs, credit, income, loans, that's maybe not as good an idea as they thought. And, and, and the, the banks all went bankrupt, right? The banks all went out of business. You know, the government actually changed the definition 
back in 2007 and 8, a bankruptcy, all that mark-to-market stuff. But by any reasonable definition, the banks went bankrupt, and they got bailed out. And, they, and the lending just came to a stop. It didn't slow down. It just, it's like it hit a wall. And so all of a sudden, we had bazillions of houses, tons of supply, and the demand out. We had inflation that's pushing prices up. And interestingly enough, and now, we had inflation that's pushing prices up. And interestingly enough, ever now, we had inflation that's pushing prices up. And interestingly enough, ever we had inflation that's pushing prices up. And interestingly enough, ever since inflation that's pushing prices up. And interestingly enough, ever since, you know, the banks went out of business and, and came back, money's never been easy to get. It's easier at times than other times, but it hasn't really been easy. Even though it was cheap, it wasn't all that easy. And the builders have still not been able to borrow as much money as they really wanted to and maybe even needed to because on a national basis, the United States is actually suffering from a housing shortage. Did you know that? We have six million fewer houses than we actually need for all of the people that should logically need a place to live. So we're in a housing shortage on a national basis and a pretty big one. And when you're in a housing shortage that's constricted supply, what happens, right? Prices go up. That's what pushes prices go up. When you don't have enough supply and you got a lot of demand, Boom, prices go up. And then we had this other thing happen where interest rates went up. And when interest rates went up, houses, even though a lot of people need a house, they're lot as, not as affordable as they used to. So the number of buyers has gone down. So we got this thing pushing the prices up and we got this thing pushing the prices down. And you put all that into a blender and I'll tell you where we are, prices are flat, you know, across the state of Texas. If you take a look at Texas, uh, the prices of uh, houses in Texas uh, actually up slightly for the average price. Uh, for the uh, year to date, this is year over year, for year to date, uh, down 1%. So flat, right? There's, the market's not up. Uh, the market's not down. The market is just Okay, prices really haven't done much at all. They're down 1% you know, year to date, uh, up 2% year over year. Um, now the volume is down. What does that mean? We're actually selling and buying fewer houses. So the number of sales is, is, a, is a little down, but not that much. It's, it's only down uh, you know, uh, you know, year over year, 7%, year to date, 12%. Not a huge uh, decline. And, and that's actually getting better because the housing shortage is increasing, which will have interesting effects uh, on, on, uh, on the future. And we're going to dive into the different cities. So we'll, we will take a little time to go into the different cities because each city has uh, responded a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where we are. Uh, you know, it's pretty much flat. And by the way, as I, as I reveal this data and kind of go through this, I'm going to tell you uh, we're not here to sell anything. Uh, we don't represent the National Board of Realtors. Uh, we don't have any, hopefully, uh, biased incentive to try to convince you that the market's going to go up or down or sideways. I don't care. Okay, I can make money in up markets, down markets, or sideways markets. Sometimes it's easy to buy and hard to sell. Sometimes it's easy to sell and hard to buy. It's never easy to buy and easy to sell. I will say it's getting a little easier to buy. And personally, as a real estate investor, I actually like that. I actually like it when the market softens 
it kind of speeds up the blossom minting because it's, it's just easier to find properties. And if you're a buyer, you know, over the last couple of years, the market is so hot, in some markets it was so hot that people were doing stupid things. They were overpaying for properties. And when there's, you know, people overpaying for properties, you know, there's a saying we have, you, you don't want to compete against stupid. Well, you don't want to win competing against stupid, right? And there was a lot of stupid things that were going on. Now I think things are getting back to normal. Interest rates are getting back to normal. The market's getting back to normal. Uh, and I'm glad, uh, personally, uh, that it's normal. But again, we don't, I don't, I don't have, you know, you ask the National Board of Realtors, they say, oh, oh the market's going to go up. They always tell you it's going to go up. No matter what happens, they, they give you some brilliant explanation. You know, if I thought it was going to go down, if I thought it was going to go up, I would tell you what I think. Uh, I am a little reluctant to predict the future. Um, because I don't believe anybody can predict the future. And if somebody tells you confidently that interest rates are going to go up or down or sideways, I'm going to say, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I know the future will be different, but I'm not sure how it will be different. Um, now, a lot of experts think that we're probably about at the peak with interest rates. You know, some people thought maybe we'd get one more hike, probably at the top. And a lot of the experts are saying they expect interest rates to maybe trickle down uh, over the next year, over 2024. That's a lot of the uh, you know, consensus amongst uh, experts, if you will. If interest rates do start to decline and we have a housing price uh, 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 shortage, that would, by any historical measure, uh, start to push prices up again. So if I were to guess uh, what's gonna happen over the next year, I'd, I'd guess prices will stay flat and maybe even uh, creep up a little bit. Now, what else could happen? I don't know, right? Uh, you know, uh, somebody could throw a nuclear bomb somewhere, right? The, the world could blow up because of one of the many crises in the world, and, and then things become less deterministic. Uh, this is, by the way, an interesting chart that shows interest rates versus home prices going all the way back to 1975. And from 1975, to 1981, interest rates on mortgages went all the way up to eight. So don't give me a hard time about current interest rates. And when interest rates went up, what happened to median home prices? They went up. And when interest rates came down, what happened to home prices? They went up. And when interest rates went up and down, and up and down, and up and down, what happened to home prices? Well, they pretty much went up. You know, there's little short-term cycles you can see. This is not a perfect line, but there's not much correlation between interest rates and home prices. And, you know, because homes don't really care about the economy, they don't really care about the interest rates, what they care about is supply and demand. So if you really want to understand where the market's going, you need to understand supply and demand. The stock market, I honestly believe, is absolutely unpredictable. I don't believe it's possible to predict the stock market. The economy is virtually unpredictable. It's like the weather, very hard to predict. Real estate, not that hard to predict. So when people tell you about the real estate market, they give you predictions, it's not as hard to predict. And the reason is because it's all supply and demand. And we know exactly how many people are having babies, and we know exactly how many people are moving to Texas, and we know exactly how many housing permits and housing starts that we have. We know exactly how many we're building, and we know exactly how many we need. So we know all of the data, right, that gives you a pretty good idea about what's going on in the real estate market. We'll go through Texas and then we'll go through the individual cities. 
The average price home in the state of Texas is 418,000, actually up uh, 2%. Median price home is 340. Median is where the highest number of buyers and sellers are. Uh, it's actually flat at uh, 340,000. Now, the number I think is one of the most important numbers to look at is inventory. I talked about inventory, months of inventory, right? It's like, on average, how long it takes to sell a house. Now, some are more, some are less. But the rule, again, is if there's less than six months of inventory, you have a seller's market. If there's more than six months of inventory, you have a buyer's market. If there's right around six months of inventory, you have a neutral market. And in the state of Texas, we have 3.7 months of inventory. By any historical measure, we're in a pretty strong seller's market. Now, it's not as strong as it was, because a year ago is 2.7 months, which is a crazy strong market, but it's still a pretty strong market. Now, the number of properties sold has gone down. There's fewer buyers, fewer sellers. And something really interesting, well, kind of interesting, has happened with the mix of properties being sold. Okay, usually when you look at houses that are sold, usually two-thirds of houses sold are just resale houses, people reselling their house, and about a third of the houses sold are new houses. But the mix is actually swapped. Now two-thirds of the houses being sold are new houses, and the resale houses are down to like a third. And there's a reason for that, because everybody that got one of those three, four, five percent mortgages over the last several years, they don't want to sell. Nobody wants to sell. And the reason they don't want to sell is because they know if they sell their house and buy another house, even if it's a bigger, nicer house, they're going to have to pay more for the mortgage. So everybody's just staying where they are, right? And because everybody's not selling, it's actually constricting the number of resale houses available, the, the supply, which is, again, one of those upward forces uh, on, uh, on prices. Um, the, the number of listings is, is up a bit. It looks like it's up about 10%, and that's why there's more inventory. There's more houses available for sale. If you're looking back over the last three years, 2021, uh, prices went up 18% uh, in Texas on average. 2022, they went up another 10%. Uh, 2023, uh, flat. They we're down 0.4%. Okay, let's take a look at some of the individual cities. Houston, Texas, average price 417, up 1%, median price uh, 333, down 2%. Uh, months of inventory, about three and a half months of inventory, similar to the uh, state. Active listings is up a little bit, similar to the state. Closed sales is down a little bit, uh, similar to the state. Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth, the average price of a house in Dallas, Fort Worth is $500,000, actually up 4%. Right, and the median price is flat at 400,000. Now, I will say something interesting about Dallas, and I don't know why this is the case, but we've been tracking this for 20 years. For some reason, over the last 20 years, Dallas has always been the bellwether of Texas. If you want to get some idea what's gonna happen in the rest of the state, you look at Dallas. Dallas is always three or four months ahead of everybody else. I don't know why, market-wise. When the market's going up or down or sideways or whatever, you look at Dallas. Now, they say condominiums are the uh, canary of the coal mine. If you want to know where inventory is going, look at the condo market first. When the condos are, are, are they're the first thing to go down, the last thing to come back. Right? If, a condo, if a condos are hot, man, if you can sell a condo, you can sell anything. Right? That's, that's why they call it the canary in the coal mine. 
Dallas is the bellwether of Texas. It's, it always precedes the rest of the state. And something kind of interesting is happening in Dallas. Now, who knows, right? Will it continue to be the bellwether? Uh, prices are up, right? And inventory is down. Look at this, 2.8 months of inventory. Dallas is a crazy smoking hot uh, market. Uh, Dallas, if you take a look at it over the last three years, 2021 20, uh, went up 20%. Uh, went up another 15% uh, in 2022 and 2023, it's flat, it's flat. The number of sales is down, but not a lot, just uh, down 13%. Active listing is only up 5%. So this is why there's not much inventory in Dallas and why the prices are going up in Dallas is because there's just not that much, uh, not many houses for sale, not that many houses for sale. Uh, Austin, let's take a look at Austin. The average house price in Austin is $582,000. That is not a typographical error, $582,000. It was six hundred, dollars believe it or not, came down just a little bit, the average did. Uh, down about 2% year over year. Uh, median price down about 4% at 425. And we did a little research trying to figure out like how did this happen and where did Austin come from anyway? And it turns out that the uh, the word Austin is actually Latin for uh, San Francisco. Yeah, Austin has become the San Francisco, Texas, Silicon Hills. Uh, you know, Elon Musk and Apple and Amazon and, and 3M and all these high-tech companies, they all moved to Austin and they brought with them all their, you know, multi-hundred thousand a year employees and that has just created, uh, you know, havoc in the market. now. Austin is the one outlier for the state. So let me show you what happened in Austin. Um, 2021, prices went up in one year 30%. By far, bigger than any other, other market in Texas. It went up another 10% in uh, 2022. Uh, year to date, 2023, it's actually down. So it's the one market that's significantly down. Now, but the, here's how to look at this. Over the last three years, it's the same. They all went up 30%, Austin went 30% up, but it just went up 30, up 10, and down, down 10. So it's still the same amount of 30%, but it was distributed. Now, if you bought your house three years ago in Austin, you'd be like, yeah, I made 30%. If you bought your house one year ago in Austin, you'd be like, oh, I lost 10%. That goes back to perspective. Everybody's perspective just depends on their personal uh, situation. Uh, but something crazy happened, and I own most of my real estate is in Austin. Um, I gotta tell you, in 2021, there were months where there was less than one month of inventory. I remember certain months had 0 0.3, 0 0.4 months of inventory. What does that mean? That means less than two weeks of inventory. It means if you stopped adding any houses for sale, you know, we'd be all out in, in less than two weeks. It was insane. And what would happen in 2021 is people moving from California to Austin and somebody would put a house for sale, house for sale, and they get nine to 15 offers in a weekend. And somebody would try to buy a house, they'd put an offer, they'd get outbid. So they'd put an offer on a second house, they'd get outbid. They'd put an house on a third house, they'd get outbid. And finally, the buyers just got so mad. It's like, what are you gonna do to buy a house around here? Just give them whatever they want. So houses back in 2021 were routinely selling at 10% above appraised value. They were selling, the buyers were literally bringing money 
to the table on top of the appraised value. Because the banks will only loan or finance up to the appraised value, right? Down payment plus loan up to the appraised value. Uh, so buyers are actually literally bringing money to the table. I would say it was an artificially inflated market. So prices went up 30%, but really they went up 20%, right? Which is still great, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you got a little 10% bonus because there was just nothing you could buy. They went up another 10% in 2022, uh, 2023. Yep, we're kind of back into the normal range. It's kind of equalized uh, down about to 9%. Obviously, a lot of people bought and built in Austin, the hottest market in Texas, and that's created a little bit more supply. Active listings are up, uh, but not a whole lot, right? And uh, closed sales are down. Uh, about 18%. Uh, San Antonio, here we are in San Antonio. Average price house in San Antonio is 385,000 and it's flat. And the median price 319 is down a little bit, uh, 2%. Uh, pretty good inventory compared to the rest of the state, 4.3 months of inventory uh, compared to the rest of the state. A little higher and it's a little higher than it was last year, but it's still a pretty good market. Uh, number of closed sales down. Uh, a little bit, 15%. Uh, San Antonio did not get the biggest run up. They got 16% plus another 12%, and then they're year to date down 1%. So that's kind of what's going on in the market. We are gonna continue into our next couple of sessions here. Uh, but before I go on, any questions from you guys? Anybody have any questions on what you just heard? Um, a lot of this was pulled off of the MLS, and a lot of it was pulled from the, um, oh, what is it called, the Aggie School of Real Estate, uh, Texas A&M School of Real Estate. Uh, they have a great website with a lot of market data on it. So I call it the Aggie, A&M, the, the, the A&M School of Real Estate, right? Yeah. So, but um, we do publish all of this data uh, every month on our social media. So you can go do a whole bunch of digging and go through a million different websites, or you can just pull the report off of our website and you're welcome to get it either way. So, yeah. Am I a real estate agent? I'm not a real estate agent. No. Okay. Um, so I am not a real estate agent. Most real estate investors are not real estate agents. And a lot of people ask a question, so I'm gonna go on a little tangent and I will answer your question. Um, like, should I get a real estate license? And I would say it depends. If you want to drive people around and help them buy houses, you should get a real estate license and become a realtor. If you want to help people sell their houses, you should get a license, you should become a realtor. If those are not your two goals, there's no other reason in the world that you would ever want to get a real estate license. Because a real estate license, if your goal is to be a real estate investor, it will be more of a hindrance than a help. Right? Can you do both? Yes, you can. But it's going to be more of a hindrance than a help. Okay, so a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna get my real estate license and become a real estate investor. How many realtors do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a realtor. Okay, when you went to realtor school, did you learn anything about investing in real estate? Nothing, 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 okay? <laughs> there's not a class, there's not a video, there's not a book. In realtor school, they don't teach anything at all about investing in real estate. Okay, so, and then you have to abide by a bunch of rules that I would never want to have to abide by. Okay, so I, I, I don't want a real estate license because I don't want to be constricted in what I can and cannot do because of a license. Okay, so I specifically would never, ever want to, and I, and I tell everybody, 
nothing wrong with being a realtor. It's an honorable profession. It's a great profession. And if you want to help people sell and buy houses, become a realtor. That's a great thing to do. But if you think somehow getting a real estate license is going to help you make more money as an investor, it's not. It's, I would say it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. Now, the next question you ask, though, is um, how do I get access to the MLS if I'm not a realtor? Uh, get a realtor to make you their assistant. You know all the realtors are allowed to have assistants, and their assistants get a password to the MLS, and then their assistant can run CMAs. So I would say just get a realtor to make you their assistant. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Now, I will say you might have to ask 10 realtors before you find one that will do that for you. Uh, and I don't understand that. Personally, I don't understand that, but it's, it's a mindset thing. If somebody asks me for a favor, and it's something that would cost me nothing, but it would be incredibly valuable to that other person, I'm gonna say yes, because it's just the way I think. Law of reciprocity. If you help people, and you help a lot of people, what happens? Some of it comes back, right? People wanna help people that help them. But not everybody thinks that way. So a lot of realtors are like, oh, no, 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 you have to go through me, right? And, and I'm gonna tell you, that's not gonna work. Because when you need a CMA, when you need to do an analysis of a property, when do you need it? Like now, like now, like is it the next two minutes, that would be good. Nobody's gonna drop everything they got 24 seven to go sprinting to a computer to do research for you. So you do need access and you need it when you need it. And you need it personally, not through somebody else. And they can do that for you by making them uh, your assistant. But, but realtors, you know, they, they're, gonna, they're gonna try to make you go through them because they're trying to get commissions and I understand that but here's the thing about realtors realtors sell houses off the MLS which is the retail marketplace we don't buy retail we buy wholesale right it's not on the MLS it's a whole different place right and and so right realtors and investors if a realtor tries to treat you like a buyer they're gonna drive you crazy you're gonna drive them crazy a, a real estate investor is the worst possible nightmare of a client for a realtor we want a 30% discount. The best property in the entire MLS has a 15% discount, maybe 20, right? I mean, so, so it's like, they're gonna show you all these properties. They're gonna say, these are great deals. Those are great redeals. They're lousy wholesale deals. So you're gonna say, none of these are good deals. They're gonna think you're crazy. You're gonna think they're crazy. You're just gonna irritate each other. So, so just don't even do that. We buy wholesale, not from the MLS, but we sell retail. Now, when I go to sell property, yeah, I hire a realtor and I have them sell for me because realtors are the best in the world at retail real estate. And that's what they're great at. And I use them to do what they're trained to do, what they're really good at. Any other questions? Any other questions? All right. Well, super. So we got lots more to go. I hope you guys enjoy. You guys like the market update? Was that helpful for everybody? Awesome. So uh, I'm going to do a quick announcement, and then we're going to get into some training. So let me switch screens here. We have a special announcement. We interrupt this program for a special announcement. Um, the Texas RIAs provides a lot of resources to the Texas real estate investor community. We do things like training, we do market updates, we have all kinds of groups that do private money and syndications, commercial, you name it. Uh, and one of the things we do is we provide training to Texas real estate investors. Uh, and uh, we've got some workshops coming up uh, and we provide this, we have a special deal going on right now uh, as a free resource to the community. Uh, so we have something we call the Texas Real Estate Investing Workshop. I teach this myself, practical, actionable, detailed, step-by-step -step training. 
where we go through the 12 strategies that are used in Texas. You know, there's things that are illegal in Texas you can't do in other states. There's things you can do in 49 states you cannot do in Texas. And you better know what those things are. We teach all 65 marketing methods for how to find off-market wholesale deals as opposed to on-market retail deals. We even teach closes, the 10 different closes, which are the exact scripts you use or words you say to get somebody to accept your solution to their offer, your, to their problem, your offer on their property. Uh, learn how to partner on deals, great way to get started. Partner with other people to get started. Uh, get access to private money. We have over a thousand private money lenders in this network. Private money is faster, cheaper, better than hard money or any other kind of money, but it requires you to have a relationship with the money. Uh, so this is Texans teaching Texans how to do it in Texas with strategies that work in Texas. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because we have a little Texas tour coming up in these three cities with the dates that you see here uh, on the screen. So we got a little Texas tour coming up. And if you would like to register, we have a special deal where you can register uh, today, tonight for free. So how cool is that? You take a picture of the little QR code and you can attend live and in person or you can attend online. We do simulcast online. When we meet live, we have, don't worry, not packed in like sardines like this. So you have tables you can write and stretch out and uh, take notes and ask questions, or you can attend online or a combination of live and online. If you want to get registered, just click on the QR code. You can also go to this link. If you're online, for you guys online, just click on the link in the comments below, and that will get you registered for the Texas tour, uh, Texans teaching Texas how to invest in Texas. So with that, I'm now going to switch gears here. And I'll put that back at the end. I will put that uh, code up back at the end. But what I want to do now is switch gears and get into some more detailed training with you guys. And specifically, what we're going to talk about is 12 different strategies you can use in today's Texas market. Uh, and by the way, if you are watching on GoToWebinar, you are live if you are on uh, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook Live, or our podcast. You may or may not be live, but if you'd like to join us for a future live meeting, just go to texasrias.com forward slash live, and you can join us. Uh, this meeting and all the meetings uh, that we're hosting are sponsored by the Texas Rias. The Texas Rias, like I said earlier, is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations uh, across the great state of Texas. Uh, over 100,000 members, participants, and attendees. And so then why does that matter? Why do you even care? Well, the reason you should care is because real estate is local. Laws are local. Contracts are local. Contractors are local. Buyers and sellers are local. Houses are local. There's 30,000 YouTube videos out there that teach you how to invest in real estate. They all talk about how to do it anywhere. Well, how to do it anywhere, that's how to do it at 30,000 feet. Real estate is not bought and sold at 30,000 feet. Real estate is bought and sold at zero feet. So if you want to know which neighborhoods to invest in here uh, and, and where to find private money here and what is legal and not legal here and what contracts to use uh, here uh, and where the buyers and sellers are here, wh where do you get all that? You get that at your local real estate investor association. Uh, and my job is to make you into educated contributing members of this community. So then why am I here? Well, I do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys today. Your time is valuable. I'm going to repay you for your valuable time by sharing a lot of valuable training and information with you. Uh, in 2003, 
uh, went from working in a nine to five job that by then I hated to eventually making seven figures a year as a real estate investor. And I've been doing that for many, 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 going on 20 years now. And over the next, oh, maybe up to 90 minutes, we'll tell you a little bit about what I learned and what I did right. And I'm also gonna tell you what I did wrong. Because the best way to learn is not from your mistakes. It's from what? Other people's mistakes, you got it. Experience, we say that, is the toughest teacher there is. You get the test first and then you get the lesson afterwards. Trust me, that's not how you wanna learn how to invest in real estate. So we're gonna share a little tribal knowledge and then encourage you to, uh, to participate as well. So what are we gonna learn? We're gonna learn a whole bunch of different strategies uh, on how to make money. The market's always changing. We're gonna talk about what's going on now and how to make money now. Uh, so that's gonna be good. Uh, we're gonna learn how to turn even a small IRA into millions of dollars tax-free. Uh, I think you're gonna like that. Uh, that's gonna be good. Uh, how about how to acquire $20 million in rental properties with little or no money and no credit? My wife and I own $30 million worth of houses here in Texas. Uh, you know, if I wanted to buy $30 million worth of houses, uh, traditionally, I'd have to put down 20% every time I bought a, bought a house. I'd have to be a multi-multi-millionaire just to become a millionaire. Well, I wasn't a millionaire when I started in buying houses. So how was I able to buy $30 million worth of houses? Well, I had to learn a different way to buy houses. I had to learn how to buy houses even with little or no money and no credit. And once you learn how to buy houses, even with little or no money and no credit, then how many houses can you buy? All of them. If I ask a question and you say all of them, you're probably gonna get it right. Okay, so great. Then how come everybody doesn't make a million dollars a year investing in real estate? Well, there are some problems, so let's talk about some of the problems. What are some of the problems? Fear is a big problem. A lot of people are just afraid to get started. I was terrified. I was literally sitting in these chairs 20 years ago. I'm afraid I'm gonna fill out a contract or lose money or make a mistake. Fear par paralyzes a lot of people right, right at the starting box. Next problem, finding deals. Good deals are hard to find. Anybody that tells you that good deals are easy to find is either a liar or a fool. The hardest thing about this business is finding deals. But I'm gonna tell you where to look. And it's probably not where you think. And then finally, doing deals. I love most about real estate is there's so many ways to do it. I'm gonna teach you a whole bunch of creative ways to do this stuff you're not gonna learn watching HGTV or YouTube videos. So for most people, these are the problems. And honestly, most people never get past these problems. But here's the really good news. I'm gonna help you guys get past these problems exactly the same way that this network helped me when I was sitting in these same chairs 20 years ago. Because that's exactly what real estate investor associations are set up to do. Local, long-standing, deeply resourced communities of investors helping people work together and get started and get past all of these problems that help other <laughs> keep other people from ever getting started. Okay, let's do our little disclaimer here. Let me take a deep breath. This subject matters for educational purposes only. We are not lawyers, CPAs, financial planners, etc. You should always have your contracts, taxes, business plans, etc. reviewed by an attorney and or financial advisor before completing any real estate transactions. For example, we recommend you close your deals with a title company and with an attorney. And I always tell people it's really hard to do something illegal with the help of an attorney. I am not an attorney. I'm not here to give you legal advice. I can give you real estate investing advice, but if you want contracts and legal advice, and when you go to close, you should close with title companies and attorneys. Uh, a little more. 
Government regulations also require that I disclose that the results that I discuss are not typical results. I am an action taker and I've achieved remarkable results and the investors I talk about are action takers and not your typical average people. I believe average people don't take any action and therefore get zero results. Only you can decide if you're going to be a typical average person or an above average action taker. You know, here in Texas, we have a saying that, in my opinion, kind of sums that all up. And the saying we have is, all hat and no, all hat and no cattle. What does that mean? Everybody says they're going to roll up their sleeves. Everybody says they're going to go out and take action. But most people go out and do what? Probably heard of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people make pretty much all the money in the world. I think real estate investing is more like the 95-5 rule. 5% of the people actually do it. But the ones that do it, they don't just make money, they make... Do you guys know that almost 80% of the millionaires out there got there all or in part through investing in real estate? Let me translate that for you. It's really, really hard to become a millionaire not investing in real estate. But you can't be all hat and no cattle. You do have to roll up your sleeves and you gotta take action. So how many of you have owned a house over the last three years? Who's owned a house over the last three years? Nice, you're a lot richer than you were three years ago, aren't you? What if you had 20? What if you had 100? What if you had 200? Then how much richer would you be? Whether you had 200 houses and you had other people, really nice people called tenants paying off the mortgages on those 200 houses, now how much richer would you be? You can't go back. You can do anything you want going forward. What's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. What's the next best time to plant a tree? That would be now. That would be now. So fear, let's talk about fear. Fear holds a lot of people back. And if it seems a little scary, I get it. I can relate and I can help. In fact, we have so many people that we've helped for so many years uh, through this network, we actually sponsor a show. We actually call the show Houses Flipping People. Most of the shows are about people flipping houses. Well, this is people flipping houses, but the houses are also flipping the people. Because the show is about stories about people whose lives have been completely transformed from becoming real estate investors. And it's a lot of fun to tell these stories and to hear these stories. It's also educational, so go check it out. I'll tell you a few of the stories. Flavia came to us a couple of years ago. Single mom with a bakery during a pandemic loses the bakery. And she like is like, I need to make money doing something not bakery and fast. Taught her how to flip houses, flipped 15 houses, uh, never going back to the bakery. Uh, Jeff came to us and said, man, last week was a hard week for me. I got divorced and I got fired in the same week. Uh, I need a, 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 new, a, a new plan. I need a, a, a plan B. Taught him how to flip houses, made $500,000 in his very first year uh, as a real estate investor. He's never going back to that job and never going back to that wife. It can be, Mike and Vanessa, Mike and Vanessa, contractors, general contractors, they fix houses for investors, for other people. And they're doing a bunch of fix and flips for me and lots of other people yes, here in the RIA. And after a while, they're pretty smart. They said, you know, it seems to us that we're doing all the work and you're making all the money, okay? You don't mind being contractors, but can you teach us how to be real estate investors, how to be the fix and flip person, right? So I taught them how to do fix and flip. And in their very first year, 
they only did one fix and flip. They're pretty busy as general contractors. So only, they only got one project done in their first year. Uh, Olivia, how much money again did they make on that one project? Only $2 million. Only $2 million. Net, not gross. They bought a property for 975000 pretty much tore it down, rebuilt it into this beautiful McMansion, sold it for $5.7 million. 100% uh, financed with private money in this network. Uh, after all expenses, they netted over $2 million. So not a bad side hustle, uh, $2 million. You know, if you're only going to do one you know, fix and flip a year, you know, maybe an extra $2 million uh, would not be so bad. So literally, I'm just scraping the surface here. Every single week, we post one of your stories. Uh, the story of somebody whose life was transformed. And these are typically people that are now millionaires or even multimillionaires. And I don't know anybody else that can point to somebody once a week and say millionaire, 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 millionaire. We can literally do that through the power of this network. Huberto, engineering, full-time engineering student, doing real estate as a side hustle. Could you imagine that? Made $300,000 on his very first flip during the interview. Uh, Olivia, Olivia is the host of the show, by the way. Uh, I'm going to have her come up and introduce herself. Um, during the interview, Olivia asked, Huberto, are you working on any other projects? He's like, yeah, I have 24 other fix and flips going on right now. Not bad. Chris came to us and uh, she was a therapist. She did something I think is really smart. Okay. She partnered on her first deal. So let's talk about that. Most people, when they want to get started, what do they do? They, they watch some YouTube videos. They read some books. They're like, honey, let's go flip a house. They watch some HGTV. They try to figure it out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes they make money. Sometimes they don't. Well, here's another way that you might want to do it if you're getting started. Why not, instead of all that, why not partner with somebody who's maybe done hundreds of deals before, leverage their experience, their money, their power teams, their resources, learn how to do it the right way, and then split the profits. Yeah. Now, I know what everybody's thinking, because everybody always says the same thing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would a multimillionaire real estate investor want to partner with a rookie? Why would they do that? Well, I'm going to give you all a fact of life. This is a fact of life. If you ever want to do business with somebody operating a higher business stature than you, here's how it works. You're going to have to help them before they're going to help you. I'm sorry, that's life. So what could you possibly do to get a multimillionaire real estate investor to want to help you bring them a money-making deal? And that's exactly what Chris brought to me. So she brings me a deal. She's like, what do you think of this? I said, that is a money-making deal. And then she said, would you partner on the deal with me for half the profits? Heck yes, I get half the profits. She learns how to do it the right way. I'll call that a win-win. Uh, Carlos came to us, petroleum engineer, tired of doing that. Taught him how to flip houses, flipped over 100 houses. Elizabeth, a marketing ex executive uh, right here in San Antonio, tired, burned out, taught her how to flip houses. Uh, I don't know how many houses she's flipped, but during the interview, Olivia's like, how much money have you made with this? She's like, well, I have 6.7 million in the bank right now, not bad. Buddy, an insurance adjuster with State Farm, burned out, tired of that, taught him how to flip houses, flipped over 150 houses. Not one, not 10, not 100, 150. Uh, car salesman flipped 60 houses. Eddie came to us from Los Angeles. He was a film producer, pretty good at it, uh, but he starts his family, he says, I don't like the culture in California. I want to raise my kids. So he moves to Texas, but we've got a problem. We're not making a bunch of films here in Texas. 
So he's like, I need a new plan to make money uh, in, in Texas doing something not film. Uh, taught him how to flip houses, came to this meeting, taught him how to flip houses, uh, flipped over 100 houses. And during the interview, Olivia says to Eddie, uh, he said, Eddie, how much you made doing all this stuff from what we taught you? And Eddie's just like, I've made a lot of money. And Olivia's kind of digging in a little bit. Come on, like, what does that mean? It means something different. Like, can you give us a number, like any number? He's like, well, I, I, I'm not gonna give you the exact number, but I can tell you I'm now worth more than $10 million. So not bad for a side hustle from an ex-film producer. We have firefighters, we have airline pilots, we have football players, we have Uber drivers, we have people from all wakes of life, literally every single week. And Olivia, can you come on up here for a minute? Because I do want you to tell everybody a little bit about the show. And I'm going to encourage you guys, go check out the show. And, uh, you know, it's on YouTube. I just go look for Houses Flipping People. And Olivia is the host of the show. So, Olivia, can you tell everybody a little bit about kind of what the show is all about and how it works? So I interview all these investors that you see on this panel, plus many more that is on the channel right now. And uh, the house is exciting, but I want to get you know on their journey. Why do they want to become a real estate investing? And why real estate investing is so exciting for us, even for the people who are just probably here that haven't even started yet and changing their careers or add on to their career. So this is where the Houses Flipping People came to life. Was a little bit because of my journey, because when I came to this event that you guys are participating right now, I did not know anything about the real estate investing. At that time, I was broke as it can be. I had about, or more, $50,000 in my credit cards. I couldn't even rent an apartment on, on my name because I was going through a divorce. My credit score was low as it can be. So there was not many hopes. So I came in as a guest. Uh, so I don't know how many guests we have here. So I came in as a guest, and I didn't know anything about the real estate investing. And when Phil said, you can become a real estate investor with no money, don't worry about your credit score because you don't need it. I'm like, that sounds right, but I still think I gotta go put my life together and then come back in. And he's like, you can go, but it's still not gonna get you your destination fast as if you take action right now. So I did came to the three-day workshop that he's probably going to invite I, here. I mentioned it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did take actions. And um, my first day was actually through door knocking in Houston. I like high heels, I'm not gonna lie. I was broke, probably shopping in the wrong way. Um, but I went door knocking and I got my first deal in Houston in Cyprus area. And with that particular deal, I got $10,000. And you, you uh, got a property on a contract, you sold the contract to another member of the rent, yes. remember? So when you got that $10,000 check, your very first check, what did you start to think? How many more doors can I go door knock? <laughs> so it was a simple math at the time because I couldn't afford any other marketing because I was really trying to raise money. Now, and now, now don't get me wrong. If you have money, it's so, so yes, you could do this with no money. Uh, having money will make it easier, right? So that's great. But Olivia said, I don't have any money. I need to go make some money and come back. I was like, you need to make money because you don't have money. So you need to have money before you start making money, even though you can make money with no money. It doesn't make any sense. Just just do this, right? And, and so there's free things you can do. Yes. Door knocking is something free. It's not for everybody. Uh, you know, it's literally knocking on doors. Uh, usually people on the foreclosure list. Yes, and that's it, the list know, that it, I door knock. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Uh, it does work. It definitely works, right? And, and, you know, if you have no money, there's about 30 different methods you can do to find deals with no money. Now, if you have money, there's 30 things you can do that, that make money with money. 
So back then, you know, when my mentor told me, you can go door knock, and that was the pretty much on all the list that he gave, this is the only one that I could afford. So I couldn't choose A or B. I have to pick the one that I could afford, and that was door knock. And I still love door knock, and I don't do door knocking as much. I do go in my neighborhood, but that's pretty much it. So moving forward, you know, for someone who grew up in Brazil in the middle of the Amazon with no resource whatsoever, I own today my house in Westlake in Austin, Texas, and my boys go to a great college, not college, uh, high school. I did went to college last week. Uh, So I went to to visit a college uh, last week in North Carolina for my son that he's super excited and I'm super excited that I'm going to be able to help him to get into college right now. So this is all part of being a real estate investor that it does give me the opportunity to bring all my kids for the ride and everyone that is around me. So do you own any real estate? Yes, so I own fix and flip, I own buy and hold, I've done tons of deals here in San Antonio. Uh, so I don't only invest in Austin, but I invest in Dallas, Houston, uh, San Antonio, pretty much anywhere that I can make money. Okay, so that's where I usually hang out and make money and, and doing deals with everyone. So when you see this panel, there's people like, on my case, I was broke as it can be, and there's people here that was pretty successful on their career, but they wanted to add on more on the financial freedom with their family. So this is the beautiful thing about real estate investing. Anyone can become a real estate investor regardless where you come from. So if you guys are here, you wanna do change your financial situation or your lifestyle, you are definitely in the right place. So today I am debt free, everything goes on auto payments, and I am as excited as it can be in being a real estate investor myself. So that's pretty much it. All right, well thank you for sharing your story, Olivia. Thank you for hosting this show. So do subscribe uh, to Houses Flipping People and follow along. Every week you get a little training uh, and education. It's also fun. So this is one of the ways we help people get past the fear. If you're doing it with a group of others, if you're doing it with locals, it's just a lot less scary than going out and trying to do it all by yourself. So let us move forward. My first day of real estate uh, was December 15, 2003. I'm actually coming up on my 20th anniversary that is the day I flipped my very first house. Been involved in about 1,200 since then. And uh, tell you about some of the houses I flipped. These are some of the houses I flipped. I don't have time to go through all of them, but I've flipped a lot of houses. In fact, I do up to a real estate transaction a week. And what that does is it creates what I call money in big chunks. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? Money in big chunks. I'm not here to sound good. I'm here to teach you. So the first lesson I'm gonna teach you is the way this business works fundamentally The way this business works is as follows. We do things to find people with problems. So what kind of problems? They have a house they don't want, the mortgage they can't afford, right? Problems to entrepreneurs are what? Opportunities, big problems are big opportunities. So if you're thinking like, I don't want any problems, you're thinking, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't care what kind of entrepreneur you want to be, you want to make money, help the world by solving the world's problems. So we are real estate entrepreneurs and we solve real estate problems. So let's get a little more specific. I found somebody facing foreclosure, big problem, and I gave them an out, an alternative, something called a short sale, allowed them to sell their house without having to bring money to the table, without completely destroying their credit, and I made $16,000 helping somebody solve a problem. Uh, REO stands for real estate-owned bank-owned properties. Banks don't want to own real estate. I took it off their hands, flipped it, made 36,000. A guy had a legal problem, had to sell a house by Friday, wholesaled it, made $5,000. Got a property, no money, no credit, uh, flipped it, made $68,000. $5,600 on an assignment, 
$6,000 on a mortgage assignment, $10,000 on a wholesale, $2,800 on a small referral, $12,400 for a large referral. The way this business works is as follows. We do things to find people with problems or to get people with problems to find us. And here's the beautiful part. For every problem that exists, there is no exception. For every problem that exists, we have a solution, a strategy that helps people, it's about helping people, solves their problem, gets us paid. We can help motivated sellers, we can help non-motivated sellers, we can help people that own their houses free and clear, we can help people that are hopelessly underwater, where they owe more money than the house is worth. We can help them, we can solve the problem, we get paid. Sometimes we get singles, sometimes we get doubles, sometimes we get home runs. Sometimes I work on a lead, a deal, an opportunity, a problem, for six months, and after six months, I make $5,000. And I'm like, oh man, six months, $5,000? I could have made more money working at Walmart. Thank goodness I'm not working on just one lead at a time. Sometimes my phone rings, and that phone call makes me $55,000 in 48 hours. And I'm like, oh man, I wish every time my phone rang, I made $55,000 in 48 hours. But that's not how it works either. That's maybe one in 100 phone calls. So the question to ask yourself is simple. How often do you get 100 phone calls? Well, that depends on you and how much marketing that you do. Do you get 100 phone calls every week? Do you get 100 phone calls every month? Or do you get 100 phone calls every year? Well, you can determine that. It just depends on how much marketing, how much looking that you do. So there's two essential skills you have to learn to be a real estate investor. And I'm going to teach you these two skills right now. The first and foremost skill is marketing. Marketing is finding the deal, generating the lead. We need to spend 85% of our time and money on marketing, generating the lead, finding the deal. A lead is just a name and number of somebody that might want to sell real estate. That's the lifeblood of your business. Next skill we have to learn is strategy. Strategy is doing the deal. It's solving the problem. We buy houses. We help people sell houses, get rid of houses and mortgages. People don't want or can't afford it anymore. We do it in a variety of different ways. It solves a variety of different problems. So marketing and strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. We're gonna learn these two skills. I'm gonna teach you the top 65 tested, proven, perfected methods of finding off-market wholesale real estate. And the top 12 strategies to help people and solve their problems, get yourself paid. Over half of the marketing methods, by the way, are completely free. And nine of the 12 investing strategies are actually no money and no credit strategies. And when you learn how to buy real estate with no money and no credit, then how many houses can you buy? So marketing strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. Let us get started with the marketing. Oh, actually, first I'm gonna tell you another quick story. This was the very first house I flipped on December 15, 2003. I'm coming up on my 20th anniversary. Uh, but I'll tell you a little story on December 14th. 2003, I was scared to death. I was actually being coached and mentored by the two guys who ran the RIA back then. And the day before I did my first deal, I'm so scared. I called them both on the phone. I'm scared. I don't want to lose any money. Are you guys sure this is going to work? Yeah, it took two seasoned, experienced real estate investors pulling me, kicking and screaming over the starting blocks uh, to get me to do that very first deal. So if you're a little scared, I get it. I can relate and I can, I can understand. But I had one other thing, and I can help, but I had one other thing that was also motivating me. I was in a job I no longer loved, and I was in a career that I no longer loved. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're spending your time doing something you don't love doing, you need a do something different with your life plan. And that's exactly where I was. I gotta tell you, you get one life, and it just races by. It just races by. 
we had a baby recently. Uh, yeah, and, and just this weekend, I noticed there's a 14-year-old boy running around in my house. I'm not sure how that happened. We had a baby, now I have a 14-year-old. It's like, what happened, right? Yeah, does that happen to any of you? I mean, it's like crazy, right? It just races by. And I gotta tell you, if you're not on a trajectory to getting the life that you want, if you're not reaching your God-given potential, then maybe you need to do something different with your life plan. And that's where I was on December 15, 2003. So let me tell you just a little bit more about that very first deal, because your first deal in so many ways is your most important deal. It's kind of like your first kiss, right? Life-changing experience, everybody remembers their first kiss. Everybody remembers their first deal. I'll tell you about mine. It took me six months to find my first deal. I was actually an unusually slow starter. Got under contract with a contract I got right here at the Rio. Bought it using OPM, other people's money, private money lender. We have over a thousand private money lenders here at the RIA. Got it fixed with a contractor I found right here at the RIA. Got a realtor right here at the RIA to sell it. Got an attorney and title company right here at the RIA to close it. Went to that very first closing and picked up that very first check for $15,384.26. And do you know when they handed me that check, it was like you unscrewed the cap, popped out the old brain, and popped in the new brain. Because right up until the moment that they handed me that check, I was a real estate investor based on theory. And I wasn't even sure I believed the theory. I don't know about this, not sure about that. But the second they handed me that check, like a switch flipping, I became a real estate investor based on experience. I didn't know anything different except I knew it actually worked. And I realized when they handed me that check is if I did this and this and this again, I get another check. If I did this, this and this again, I get another check. But the really big deal that I realized right as they handed me that check, at that moment I realized that I would never, ever, ever, ever for the rest of my life, ever, ever have to work for somebody else. Ever, never, ever, ever, ever again. And I have not worked for anyone else, even for one second since they handed me that check. So if you're new and you're just getting started, here's my first piece of advice. You need to focus yourself like a laser beam on that very first deal. It's all about the first deal, if you're getting started. It's like Olivia, it's all theory, she gets to check and it's like, it goes instantly into rinse and repeat mode. Oh wow, how many more doors are there to knock on? I knock on a door, I said this thing, I made $10,000, now let's do it a thousand times. That's how everybody is. So I told you I was gonna tell you what I did right. I'm also gonna tell you what I did wrong. I made one big rookie mistake right out of the chute. I spent all that time finding the deal. I found the deal. Once I found the deal, I kind of put my marketing on hold. I picked up some hammers, made some contractors, worked on the deal, finished the deal, got the check, only to wake up the next day and realize I had absolutely nothing to do. Well, I stopped to start the whole business all over again. And this gets me to my very first takeaway. And this is it, and this is the big one. The business of being a real estate investor is the business of finding deals. It's all about finding deals. Why? Because you make the money on the buy. What does that mean? As soon as you find a property and get it under contract, whatever money was gonna be made or not made on that deal, it's done right at that moment. Yeah, you get the money at the end on the sale, but you make the money on the buy. And once you understand that, you realize you always have to spend 85% of your time and money looking for the next deal. With the attitude, the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. The rookies all screw this up. 
the rookies, they find a deal, they make some money, great, but they stop the market. So they reset the market. Eventually they get it going again. They find another deal, they do a deal, they make some money, great, but they stop the marketing to work on the deal. So they reset the market. Eventually they get it going again. They find another deal, they make some money, great, but they stop the market. And their income goes up and down and up and down with big gaps in between. You need your income to go up, 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 up. And the only way to do that is you always have to spend 85% of your time and money on marketing, looking for the next deal. With the attitude, the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. And hint, the deals you are looking for are not in the MLS. The MLS is the multiple listing service. It's the retail market for real estate. It's where realtors sell real estate. It's where all the people in the world compete with each other to see who will pay the most. And I hate to say it, but when you're competing against all the people in the world, some of those people are stupid. And you don't want to compete against stupid. Well, you don't want to win competing against stupid. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I love the MLS. I absolutely adore the MLS. Why do I love and adore the MLS? Because after I buy off-market wholesale real estate, where do I then want to go to resell it? On the MLS. It's been proven, proven that any property sold in the MLS will sell for the most that it could be possibly sold for. That's just never where you're going to find heavily discounted wholesale real estate. The best deal in the MLS is rarely a deal a real estate investor would take a second look at. So finding deals. Once I realized this whole shooting match is really just about finding deals, then I went about systematizing the process of finding deals. And over time, I developed 65 different methods for finding deals. Actually, it's not really completely accurate to say I developed 65 methods. What would be more accurate is to say I found 65 things that work finding deals, uh, and I started to use those things. In fact, I need to teach you all a really important lesson right now, maybe the most important lesson I'm going to teach you today. But for me to teach you this next lesson, first, I need to unteach you all something. Okay, so I got to unteach you all something. When you guys were in elementary school, if you looked over the paper next to you and you copied down the answers, they, what did they call that? Cheating, cheating. And you're all told that cheating is what? Wrong, bad. Okay, we're not a bunch of little kids. We're not in elementary school anymore. Going forward, I need you all to unlearn that. Because going forward, guess what? What am I saying? What I'm trying to say is simple. There's nothing you're trying to do. There's absolutely nothing that you are trying to figure out that I and other people haven't already done and figured out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely everything about this business has been completely figured out. We know what's in the soil. We know the zoning. We know the guys that write the zoning. We know the appreciation rate by street address across all the major metropolitan cities across the state of Texas. We know exactly which ones to buy and hold. We know exactly which ones to fix and flip. We know the exact letters to send to the exact mailing list. We know the exact words to say. We know the exact offers to make. We know exactly what objections we're going to get. We know exactly how to overcome those objections. We even know how many contracts on average we're going to get signed for every 20,000 letters that get sent out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely everything about this business is completely understood. And once I realized that everything I was trying to do and everything I was trying to figure out, other people had actually done and figured out, 
I stopped trying to figure everything out and I just started to, here's that word, copy, right, copy the 65 tested proven methods of actually finding off-market wholesale deals. Now, some of these methods are campaigns, we talked about that before, and some take money. When you get started, you probably have more time and less money. Once you get going, you probably have more money and less time. I will be honest, I don't spend any, any more on marketing. I outsource 100%, but when you're getting started, you're probably gonna insource more. So what are all these different marketing methods? Well, let me teach you a whole bunch. The first set of strategies has to do with direct mail. You can buy mailing lists. Now, when you buy a mailing list, what can you do with a mailing list? You can send them mail, letters or postcards. Or you can get phone numbers and you can call them. Or you can text them. Or you can go to their door and you can knock on the door. Or you can do a combination of those things, which is called a multi-touch campaign. So what are some of the popular lists? Well, you can get a list of people that didn't pay their property taxes a list of people that are late paying their mortgage, people that have filed for divorce, two people were combining their income to pay a mortgage, now one of them's gone. Well, the one that's left may be having trouble paying the mortgage by themselves. You can get a list of people who've inherited a house from somebody that passed away, people whose credit scores just went down 300 points, people that just got dismissed from bankruptcy, certainly a lot of financial distress there. You can get a non-owner occupied list. This is a list of people who own a house where they don't live at the address of the house they own. Technically, those are landlords, and a lot of them are what we call accidental landlords. Uh, they moved away and they let an ex-spouse or family member or friend or neighbor live in the house, or they inherited a house with a tenant in it. They don't really know anything about being a landlord, and very often they ultimately become motivated sellers. You can get a list of people who rent to people on public assistance. You can get a code enforcement list. You know the city is already driving around and issuing citations for abandoned houses, hoarder houses, deferred maintenance houses, and you can get the city to give you a list of every problem property in the city. You can even get an expired listing list. This is a list of people that hired a realtor and tried, probably for a long time, to sell the house and it didn't sell. So then what do we know about these people? We know 100% of these people would like to sell their house, probably now more than ever but they also probably need solutions that realtors don't offer. Well, hello, that's exactly what investors do offer. Letters, postcards, phone calls, text messages, door knocks, some of them will call you back. Right? Those are called leads. You make them an offer that solves their problem. We have an offer for every problem, and some of them say yes, and those are called deals. With a website, you can get leads on the internet, Bandit signs, little plastic signs say, we buy houses. Why do you see the sign? Because they work. Online ads work, email, autoresponders, magnetic sign, little sign on the side of your car. You buy the sign once, you get leads for the rest of your life. Uh, okay, you don't want to pay the postage for 10 cents a door. You can have a door flyer, door hanger put on every door in a neighborhood. Here's one that's pretty much free, driving for dollars. Sometimes I'm just driving around and I see a tarp on a roof. They might as well be waving a flag, desperate motivated seller, please buy my house. I mean, think about this. Somebody's most valuable asset, a house, has a serious problem, a leak, and their solution was to go buy a tarp at Home Depot. How come they didn't fix the roof? Exactly, no money. Same guy not fixing the roof, not paying the mortgage, not paying the insurance. Sooner or later, an investor is gonna pick up that deal. What are the other marketing strategies? Oh wait, 
We interrupt this program for a special announcement. Actually, I already made the announcement. So yeah, we have the tour coming up. I think I already talked about this to most of you, but um, yeah. Texans teaching Texans, practical, actionable, detailed. We have time to go deep over a three-day workshop. We have a special promotion where we're doing this in the three cities at the dates listed on the next uh, slide. Uh, thousands, I mean thousands, and I mean thousands of successful Texas real estate investors got started this workshop, the real deal. We even have a show where every single week we interview somebody that's typically a millionaire, multimillionaire, directly from coming to this workshop, Texans, Siege and Texans. So pick the location and the date that works best for you. Uh, if none of these dates work, if you have a conflict, for example, if your daughter is getting married, is going to be this, uh, this workshop. So uh, come and join us. You can come live in a person or online. And we got a special promotion where if you register today, you can actually register for free or you can wait till tomorrow in which you pay. Uh, either way, we're, we're fine with that. Um, oh, one other announcement. Now this is a little bit of a, uh, we have one other thing we're doing that is not free. So I'm gonna tell you this is something that is not free. I am celebrating, almost about to celebrate my 20th anniversary uh, as a real estate uh, investor in Texas. And uh, I, I, my, my wife and I recently did something. Uh, we've wanted to do this for years. I guess you could say we bought our dream home. We bought our dream home. We bought a $15 million mansion right on Lake Austin, the primest land and the primest part of the lake, pretty much as prime as prime can be. So 20 years, uh, you can get a dream house and that was our dream house. And we were able to do that because we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so I highly advocate investing in real estate, pretty big fan of it. So I'm doing something I've never done before, but I'm gonna do something very unique. Uh, I am gonna host uh, to a small group of people at my home uh, a special workshop where myself, my wife, and my power team is gonna work with a small group of people right in my home. And we're doing this on November 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, now, this is not free. You have to pay $1,000 uh, to do this. It's a very exclusive and very special experience. If you're really serious and you wanna get started investing in real estate and you would like to get started with individual and from myself and my power team, this is a pretty unique way of doing exactly that. It's $1,000, it's on November 10th, 11th, and 12th. And if that sounds like something you're interested in at the end of uh, the evening, go talk to Olivia and she can get you signed up for that. Uh, I want everybody to have the ability to get training and that's why we provide inexpensive or even tonight uh, free training. Uh, but some people you know, are like, I am like really serious about this, I'm ready to go. Uh, I really would like somebody that has been doing this for a long time and their team uh, to put together a special plan for me and to work with me in a small, more intimate setting and a smaller group. Uh, and that's what this is all about. So that's on November 10, 11, 12. Okay, so again, to get registered, you just take a picture of this little QR code. You can go to that link. It's the same thing. For you guys online, just uh, click on the uh, comments. Uh, click on the link in the comments below. I will put this up uh, at the very end as well. But I want to get back to the marketing and all of the different uh, deal finding strategies. And the next one I'm gonna talk about is letters of intent. What is a letter of intent? Um, a letter of intent is an offer. 
And the question is, then who should you send an offer to? And my answer is everyone. In fact, I'm gonna give you all a homework assignment. Tomorrow, I want you to each send 200 people an offer in their home. Because this is how investors think. Ready, fire, and then you negotiate. You make the offer and then you look for the money. You make the offer and then you do your due diligence. You make the offer and then you think about it. You should make everybody an offer. Why not? Do you know here in Texas, every time you make somebody an offer, you know you get four different options? You might want to write them down. Option number one, you could buy a house. They might say yes. <laughs> it's called taking a shot. If you take enough shots on goal, what do you think is going to happen? Some of them go in, even if you suck. And with practice, what happens? More of them go in. So option number one, you buy a house. Option number two, you can terminate the contract after you make it. A promulgated contract gives the buyer the unilateral right to terminate, rip it up, walk away, no harm, no foul, no penalty, no risk. Option number three, you can renegotiate the contract after you make it. Do you know that it's much, much, much easier to renegotiate than it is to negotiate? Option number four, you can sell the contract to your equitable interest in the property. You can sell your contract to somebody else that has money. Notice only one of those four options even required you to have any money to make a house. Just make offers, give yourself options. Business cards, for sale by owner, cold calling, mass media, television, radio, billboards, other investors, realtors. Why are there so many different marketing methods? Well, would you rather fish with a hook or would you rather fish with a net? You need to fish with a net. Uh, now, <clears throat> the reason you need to fish with a net is because at the end of the day, this business is a numbers game. And now I'm going to teach you the numbers. I'm going to teach you something right now that it took me two years of hard work in the trenches to figure out. By 2005, I had been a real estate investor for two years. And I calculated in my first two years, I generated about 400 leads. A lead is the name and number of somebody that might want to sell real estate. So I was talking to somebody every couple of days and then I did the math. And here's what I discovered as a rookie. As a rookie, on average for every $100 I spent on marketing, things like direct mail, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. As a rookie, for every three hours I spent on free marketing, things like driving for dollars, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. Then I discovered that as a rookie, on average for every 20 leads I got, I made at least $20,000 net profit on a deal. So now let me run the numbers for you. That means as a rookie, every time I drove around for 60 hours, I made at least $20,000 net profit. Every time I sent out $2,000 in direct mail, I made at least $20,000 in profit. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $4,000, make $40. Spend $8,000, make $80. Spend $16,000, make $160. Spend $32,000. You don't have to spend it all at once, by the way. Make $320,000 net profit. Are you starting to like the numbers? It took me two years to figure that out. But after two years in the trenches, what I realized was, holy cow. This whole business is just a numbers game, and now I know the numbers. And I started to think about the business in a very different way. I now think about this whole business 
like the whole thing, it's just, it's just, my whole business is just like a little black box. We're gonna call that little black box a marketing machine. And the way that little black box works is every time I stick $100 mar worth of marketing in one end, eventually $1,000 worth of net profit pops out the other end. So if you had a little black box where every time you shoved a $100 bill in one end, a $1,000 bill popped out the other end, how many dollars would you stick in the box? Yeah, and I started spending money on marketing like a drunken sailor. I started spending thousands of dollars a month on marketing. And then I started spending tens of thousands of dollars a month on marketing. And then I hired two full-time, six-figure guys who spend 100% of their time spending my money on marketing. And now in some months, I spend as much as $100,000. Because once you know that it's just a numbers game, and once you know the numbers, then it's just on. Dial it in, and then you dial it up. Sometime later, I actually wrote a book on investing in real estate. We're not offering any books tonight, but I will repeat something I said earlier. There's nothing you're trying to do. There's nothing you're trying to figure out that I and other people haven't already done and figured out. So what's the shortcut? Copy stuff that works. Oh, you know, we're actually uh, right at the midpoint of my presentation. I'm going to get into strategies now, arguably the cool mechanics of how these deals work, maybe the more interesting part of the presentation. But if you remember at the beginning of this presentation, I said, my job is to make you all into educated, contributing members of this community. And we, we really do want you to be both educated and contributing, participatory. We do these meetings all over Texas. And you know we always have a lot of new people that come to the meetings. And we call the new people tourists. Nothing wrong with that. They're checking it out, right? Tourists, hey, honey, let's go check out the Rio. Uh, you know, and, and, and nothing wrong with that, but, but, but we figured out a long time ago that nobody actually makes any money being a tourist. We actually want people to be active, buying, selling, partnering, borrowing, lending, and that's when everybody starts to make money. But I also figured out a long time ago, unfortunately, I can't turn somebody into a real estate investor in 45 minutes. If I could figure out how to sprinkle pixie dust around the room and turn everybody into real estate investors in 45 minutes, yeah, I, I, I wish I could, I don't know how to do that. But I can, and I have, on numerous occasions, turn people into real estate investors over a period of 24 hours. Or maybe it would be more accurate to say 24 hours spread out over three days, giving us the time to get through all the nitty gritty details of how to do this. So this is why we sponsor the Texas Real Estate Investing Workshop. And I teach this myself, I don't outsource this. Uh, I go through all the investing strategies, you gotta know them all. All the marketing methods, the closes. Let's talk about closes. Closes are literally the exact words you say to get somebody to accept your offer on their property, your solution to their problem. And it's not intuitive, uh, but it's a lot of fun to learn, it's a lot of fun to teach. So I'll give you an example. I recently said some magic words to a woman, and by simply saying these magic words, she gave me her house. I didn't even have to give her any money at all for the house. She gave me the house, beautiful house. Uh, didn't have to come up with any money uh, for her to buy the house. She even said, thank you for taking my house. So who's a little skeptical right now? I just said, I have magic words. I just said these magic words, and this woman just gave me a beautiful house and said, thank you for taking my house. 
Who's a little skeptical right now? Raise your hand if you're a little skeptical right now. Come on, guys, I'm baiting you. Who's a little skeptical? Be honest, you're, who's not skeptical? You're not skeptical? Okay, for all of you guys that are not skeptical, I got a land deal in Florida. We're gonna talk about after class. I just said I have magic words, and by simply saying magic words, somebody just gave me their house. They didn't have to give them money. Thank you. So I'll try this one more time. Who's a little skeptical? Raise your hand if you're a little skeptical. I expect you to be a little skeptical. That was kind of crazy. So be skeptical. I want you to stay skeptical because in a couple of minutes, I'm going to demonstrate it. And for all of you that are skeptical, you're going to be all the more impressed when you see how it actually works. But those are the closes. Uh, learn how to partner, get access to private money. Thousands, thousands, thousands of Texas real estate investors uh, literally got started at this workshop. So come join us and um, you can click on the link and pick the date uh, that works uh, and um, come alive and in person or online. And then we have this very special thing at my home. I've never done it before, but I'm gonna do it on November 10th and 11th, 12th. It's not free, it's $1,000, but if that's something you really wanna do, and uh, if you're really serious about this, you know, having the opportunity to work with a whole team of multimillionaire veteran real estate investors that have been doing this for two decades, uh, I don't know any other, other way you'd get that kind of individual attention and experience, uh, but that's on November 10, 11, 12. And Olivia, I wanted you to show them the poster. Can you show that to everybody for a minute? I also want to show everybody something else here. So um, I am an engineer by trade and uh, I'm an inventor. I've actually invented a number of technologies, uh, custom software. I have a program where you can literally take a picture of a house and generate a contract and do a complete analysis from a picture. Uh, I've got heat maps. I can identify high and low appreciation properties all the way down to the street address. Uh, all kinds of technologies and software and tools. I'm an educator, obviously. Um, and this is another one of my inventions. I wanna mention this real briefly. Um, I'm an engineer, okay? And I went to engineering school. I, and then I became a real estate investor. And I kind of went from being an electrical engineer to a transactional engineer. And here's what I figured out about real estate. Real estate is actually not that complicated. It's not. Engineering school, that was complicated. I had to take calculus, calculus two, calculus three. By the time I took calculus three, I had to remember calculus one and two. It was really, really complicated. I've never had to solve a differential equation to flip a house. It's not that complicated. But unlike engineering, uh, you know, that's a mile deep. Here's the thing about real estate, it's a mile wide. Learning real estate is like learning a language. It's not complicated, but there's just a million details. But you can't learn a language from reading a book. Complete waste of time. When I got started investing in real estate, I bought a back bunch of books, I read the books, I got nowhere. And if reading books turn people into millionaires, then I guess the library should be filled with millionaires, but they're not. And there's actually a reason for that. Because learning real estate is really more like learning a language than learning a skill. You can't learn a language from reading a book. There's only one way to learn a language, which is what? You gotta hear things two, three, five, 10, 20 times. That's how you learn a language. That's how you learn real estate. And it was not until trying a lot of different things and then finally joining the local real estate investor association and hanging out with a group of local real estate investors right, that I heard things two, three, five, 10, 20 times and started picking up enough of the details to actually do it myself. So I thought as an exercise, I would write down, what do you gotta know to be a real estate investor? And this little chart 
is the 273 things, this is what happens when an engineer becomes a real estate investor, right? The 273 things that you need to know to be a real estate investor. So we have all the different investing strategies, all of the different marketing campaigns, all the different sales and negotiations, uh, all the different operation stuff, power teams, corporate structures, all the different financing strategies and all the different analysis and due diligence. All of this is on this poster, the 273 things that you need to know to be a real estate investor. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.